0: and is responsible for the day-to-day management strategy for the entire region. Prior to joining Sysmex, Ralph served as Vice President of Cellular Analysis Strategic Marketing at Beckman Coulter, formerly the Coulter Corporation, where he worked for 19 years. He holds a graduate management degree from the University of Greenwich and an undergraduate degree in medical laboratory sciences from Paddington College, both in London. Ralph Taylor, welcome into the corner office. Thank you, Brent. Glad to be here. Uh, wonderful to have you here, and uh, great that we could hear a little bit about your journey. Uh, gosh, it's uh, uh, been very interesting reading your bio and getting to know a little bit about you. What we like to do is kind of start a little bit about uh, the early years of each CEO. You know, tell us a little bit about where you grew up and and where your, what your early family life was like.
1: Yeah, I uh, you will most likely detect from my my accent, I actually am English by birth. Um, I grew up in the greater London suburbs in an area uh, or a county called Essex. And the town I grew up in uh, was Romford in Essex. Um, I That was sort of through my early years uh, through to really I stayed and perhaps was a little bit different from a lot of uh, perhaps some of your listeners where I I didn't leave home, in fact, until the day I got married, Um but uh grew up in, a, in a, a family environment uh through um through high school uh then i my career sort of took a uh, slightly different path because um i went from high school straight into a working environment and um then uh after getting married i then moved to uh, the county of Kent, which is classed as the Garden of England, um, for a number of years. Uh, and then, with job moves, m- ended up uh, moving to uh, a town in uh, more north of London called um, Luton, which was where I moved from, uh, I made really my major career move, which was from working in the National Health Service. Uh, to working into the, uh, moving into the commercial sector of uh,
0: the health uh, service industry. Well, we'll want to get to that in a minute, but I want to focus a little bit on the earlier days. Sounds like you had a pretty uh, close family life, uh, uh, certainly a supportive one staying uh, at home until you actually got married. Brothers and sisters, uh, uh, were you a single child? What was your, uh, your, your sibling uh, situation?
1: I had, uh, had a brother and si- an elder brother
0: and an elder sister. I was the,
1: perhaps the fortunate one being the younger, the, <laughs> the three. Baby, yeah. I am one of those too, <laughs> Ralph.
0: I know what that was, what that's like. Um,
1: my, my brother and sister would tell you, I was the one that was spile and always <laughs> got, my, got my way. Um, <laughs> I've heard that before. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, with, with, uh, with, we all actually live with my parents. Um, and I think they all, both, all of us as a family both my brother and sister uh were living at home until they got married um so we had a sort of close family unit my my father uh worked in the the printing industry uh which obviously has changed significantly um with the advent of um computerization impacting uh the print industry but he he left um and was a big influence on me he He left uh, school during uh, really the the sort of latter or towards the end of the Second World War, and he left school as uh, a fourteen-year-old and went into yeah went to work into a an apprenticeship uh, uh, with a company that was at that time called the Solicitors' Law Stationery Society, uh, which was a legal and uh, financial printers and he went from uh sweeping the floors as a warehouseman when he first entered during and serving an apprenticeship um and the company evolved and was uh bought by the British Printing Corporation and they became the largest uh city and financial printers in Europe uh, and they evolved to a company called OA Press which still exists today but um, he rose from uh, a warehouseman to the managing director of the organization. Um, and, and in a way, he, he sort of showed me or made, it, uh, made me aware that uh, if you set your sights and your ambitions, you can achieve uh, and reach those goals. It takes hard work and it takes focus. But in a way, that was sort of for me a, a role model in terms of, you know, saying that if you set a goal and you focus on that, that goal can, can be realized. And so that was that was sort of quite a big influence on me.
0: Was mom stay at home? Did she focus on the kids?
1: Yeah, mum mum was stay at home. She most likely had the most important job, taking care of the three <laughs> of us and, and making sure we uh we followed the followed the rules. Um but uh, it was that influence uh, that sort of really is something that I've, I've still still fo- used today and, uh, and also instilled in my children um, in that
0: sense. What about school life? Were you, were you a good student in school, Ralph? Yeah,
1: I, I, w- I wouldn't say we were exceptional. I wouldn't Oh, Let me rephrase that. I wouldn't say I was exceptional. <laughs> um, but I, we were good students. I, I enjoyed school um, and <clears throat> valued education. Uh, I think for me, uh, you know, I, I found that my areas of the areas I loved was science. Uh, the sciences, biology, chemistry and physics, particularly biology. And that's what started to influence where I would make my early steps in my career um, and sort of going out uh, uh, from schooling. And, and that's, in fact, why I left School, at high school level, rather than going into uh, into a university, because I uh, I left and went into uh, train as a biomedical scientist at uh, St Thomas's Hospital in London, uh, which was, if people know London well, it's the very very big teaching hospital, one of the biggest teaching hospitals in London, uh, on the River Thames, right opposite the Houses of Parliament. And, um, I went in there as from high school and then spent, uh, the next eight years, uh,
0: training, uh, to be, uh, to be it was kind a, of a vocational stream basically into the, into the sciences.
1: Yeah. So it was, uh, was two nights and a full day a week that was sponsored by the national health service, uh, for eight years. And through that process, I, uh, I obtained a degree and, uh, and then, did postgraduate uh, qualifications in health service management.
0: Did you work along the way, Ralph? I know growing up in England a little different and in, in, in Europe in general than, you know, in the U.S. You know, typically kids will do entrepreneurial things like handling paper routes or, you know, selling cards at Christmas and so forth. But I'm sure you had to help pay the bills, if not pay them yourself. What type of jobs? My, my parents sort of instilled
1: in me that if you want something, then save up for it. Um, in that sense, that mentality. And so uh, early on, I, I think like most children, or I started off with a paper round, uh, delivering, delivering newspapers, um, and then graduated from that to uh, working on a, believe it or not, a uh, street market. Uh, and, uh, and I worked on a very famous uh, street market in London called Petticoat Lane, um, which is we, uh, I worked for a, a company that uh, sold sort of teenager uh, fashion items uh, cheaply. So we, we sort of pre- reproduced uh, fashionable, uh, current fashions, f- particularly for girls, but that were affordable. And, uh, and I worked for that for two years. But I must be honest. Standing outside when it was snowing all day long was uh, <laughs> was not for me. And uh, and then I progressed to uh, to working in a in a do-it-yourself shop um, as a as a salesman within a do-it-yourself shop. And I worked alongside my brother there uh, while he was going through. You uni- know, he actually went to university uh, to train as a civil engineer. And uh, we worked there from. Uh, after school I used to work there for a couple of hours closing the shop in the evenings and then on Saturday all day Saturday but uh, it was something that for me again was it was part of something that you know my parents instilled in me that uh, if you want things and you set your goals for for uh, for things you know you have to work for them and and I had to work for things and save for them if I you know I'm, i um like like many youngsters I had a dream of being a rock star and i wanted wanted to buy a electric guitar and and become a famous rock star i then um so i s part of my objective was I was working to save to buy that. Um, after after buying it, I found out I was tone deaf. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, was, was very
1: a very short lived rock star <laughs> yes, career.
0: <laughs> I can imagine. So so after the vocational uh, training, did you go at, at one point in time and back in, and get your university degree, or did you go right into the workforce following that?
1: Um, right into the workforce because I, I obtained my degree through the vocational training. It was an outside program so it was it was obtain, i obtained the degree through uh going to, to basically night school and school at weekends uh while working in in the national health service um, as a biomedical technician and and it was a requirement to gain promotion within that structure of uh of biomedical sciences but it was for me it was good because uh it it appealed to me because of my love of biology and I, I went to work in a, uh, in a hematology lab. So the lab part of uh, di- diagnostic testing that uh, does all the does the blood tests and looks at uh, your white blood count, hemoglobin and red count and whether you're anemic. And um, it was an area I, I, I found fascinating um, the study of blood and its impact on the human body and the diseases related uh, to, uh, to the body through uh, things like leukemia and things like that. Uh, and meeting patients and working with patients, I, I love doing. Um, and uh, it was, I had a fabulous time and my career today, you know, is still related to that industry. And it allows me to go back into laboratories. And, and, and it's a great opportunity for me to go back um, and, and still see how people practice hematology uh, laboratory work. It's changed greatly from when when I was in the laboratory. But uh, it, it's great. And I still enjoy it. I still love looking at a blood film and looking at blood cells and counting blood cells.
0: When did you move into leadership responsibilities?
1: Uh, it first started when I was working working in laboratories. Uh, after I gained my first degree, um, it allowed me to be promoted to a senior laboratory um, medical laboratory technician, and that gave me the responsibility more supervi. I would class it as sort of supervisory uh, responsibilities of an area of the laboratory, and there I would be in. Ch- uh, take on supervisory responsibilities for five or six medical laboratory technicians. And basically working through how we would manage all the testing that was coming in uh, that day uh, through through the hospital and all of the outpatient services. And obviously, we had uh, t- turnaround times we had to commit to for particularly areas like the intensive care unit to make sure their results were getting back on time so uh started to to take uh, sort of that supervisory stroke managerial responsibilities there of uh managing a, a team of 5 to 6 people and that was as a as
0: a sort of an 18 19 year old wow very young what were some of the earliest uh, leadership lessons you learned from that job um
1: i uh, for me my i think my my first uh uh lesson was that um Learning how people respond to your actions and how they mirror your actions, and I found by um, working with people and setting an example, and it's been a philosophy I've always adopted. I will never ask anybody to do so. Even today, as a CEO, I will never ask anybody to do anything I'm not prepared to do myself. And uh, and and I found, you know, if I set that example. Uh, people were willing to follow, um, and I, I found that something that was important to me early on as uh, from you know managing people, and it's something that I've always kept
0: true to one of my core philosophies uh, throughout my whole career. Any uh, best or worst lessons from previous bosses? <laughs> and you don't have to mention any names, Rob.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I think I you know again I think. Um, as a person the way i the one of the things i have have learned is that you know the biggest variable within any level of management are people um and you have to treat people differently uh, and they all have different trigger points and they all have points that excite them and motivate them and other point, other factors that demotivate them and um i think one of the things i've learned the uh, was the most from, from previous managers was that um, intimidation doesn't always work to get people <laughs> people going uh, and get people motivated to do things. I have found it very, and it's, again, a, a lesson that
0: I've adopted and an approach I use where… Did you have former bosses like that, Ralph, that tried to intimidate by or try to lead you by intimidation?
1: Yes, yes. Um, and, and for me, I found that that was more of a negative switch than a positive switch in terms of motivation. And fa- I found that I didn't react to it. Um, in fact, uh, it, it was uh, my approach to it was, uh, I would wait till things had calmed down and then have a more meaningful discussion on what was required and what we were looking to achieve. Um, so I felt that uh, that's one of the one of the practices I, I learned from um, a, bad, a sort of bad manager. Also, the fact of uh, planning and lack of, uh, how key planning is to being successful. And if you don't, if you're not planning properly, you're not looking out uh, with enough uh, timelines and, and bringing vision back to your team you're not going to move your team forward and you're not going to get the leadership that you're looking for.
0: So track your career a little bit. So NHS, uh, uh, where you did your training, did you go into the private sector following that? Uh, How did you kind of transition, you know, in in leadership positions there and and then eventually make it over to the U.S.? Yeah,
1: no, after getting various promotions within the National Health Service, I applied for what at that time was the high uh, the highest level a medical laboratory scientist could uh, ch- achieve within the the national healthcare uh, structure, which was to be the manager of all of the diagnostic labs. Um, at that time, I was twenty nine and and so I, I I applied for the position. um I didn't get that, but the particular position. I applied for and but I was fortunate enough to be able to know two of the interview panel and I asked them for direct feedback and said where where did I go wrong and they said you, the feedback I got was you you actually interviewed very very well and you were a very strong candidate the thing that worked against you was the point that you just raised was my age you're too young and they said you're too young you're going to be managing people that are 50 and 55 and there was a concern that that would be a problem in in the in the labs, so that gave me a, a sort of pause for thought, and I began to question. You know, do at twenty nine, could I could I go further? Uh, how would my career look uh, for the next twenty five? Yeah, twenty 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 five. You know, twenty five thirty years. So. I started to think about different options that may be open to me, and at that time, uh, a company called uh, Coulter Electronics, which was the world leader in blood cell counting, contacted me and said, "We have a position in our organisation that we'd like you to consider." And they were a
0: privately held, uh, privately held American, right? company, uh, All American privately, company.
1: Yeah, privately held American company, and they were the world leader in blood cell counting. They actually. Created uh, was the company was run by two brothers, the the Coulter brothers, Wallace and Joe Coulter, and Wallace Coulter founded a principle called the uh, the Coulter principle, Um, and it really founded an industry and revolutionised haematology blood cell counting um, in in the hospitals but um they were the world leader they uh, they approached me for uh, and asked if I would consider joining them as a as a specialist um that could advise customers on techniques and applications and i felt this was an opportunity to move to the commercial side of healthcare uh and and i was very matter of fact i discussed it with my my wife and uh we we both felt that this was an opportunity. And if it didn't work out, I could always fall back on my career as a medical laboratory technician and go back into the health service. So after discussions with my wife, um, we felt that it was worth taking that, that chance and that opportunity. So I, I joined uh, the uh, Coulter Electronics, which was part of Coulter Corporation here in the US. It was a wholly owned subsidiary of the call to corporation of America, and I worked in uh, for them as an applications specialist. Did you move to the
0: U.S. at that time, or, or...
1: no? That was when I, I made the move to Luton, uh, where their their offices were. They or the uh, the operation based in in the United Kingdom was responsible for all of Europe uh, through really as far as the, as China, uh, in terms of its operation. And um, I worked for them and moved into a marketing position and worked in their marketing position. And then I, then I eventually moved into, uh, still based out of the United Kingdom, uh, managing all of their distributor relations uh, in Scandinavia. So I was looking after Sweden, uh, Norway, Denmark and Finland as a, as a territory. And, and that was an interesting time to, to travel into Scandinavia and work closely with, with distributors and make sure that they were driving um, the, the call to business and making sure that the call to products were top of mind with their organization, their sales force. And I was then, while I was managing that, I was asked if I would take over the uh, territories for the, uh, the Mediterranean territory and i was offered a move to to go to live in athens in greece and manage all of the greek islands and all of the islands down the mediterranean which uh from a a lifestyle perspective <laughs> sounded was very attractive it was, most likely, it was was very attractive and, yeah, and, and my wife, 30s <laughs> yeah, and, and my wife was very supportive of a a move um and a move. we always had discussed we'd like to go and live in a, and work in another country and see whether it was something we could do. Uh, and we were, we were following that process. And, and then I got a, literally a call from the call to corporation and was asked whether I'd consider moving to Florida, uh, Miami, Florida, and come to the corporate head office. And it was, it was strange because I went home that evening and I said, to, I said to my wife, oh, I got a call from the head office today and they asked whether I'd be interested <laughs> to go and work in, in the U.S. And I, I said to them, I said to my wife, it's most likely one of those sort of calls where people are just sounding you out and nothing will happen from it. I went into the office the next day where there was an email waiting for me uh, that said, there's, there's a ticket for you. Um, can you fly out on Saturday to meet with us? And and so I went back to my wife that night and said, I, you know that call I had, which I didn't take <laughs> too seriously. Well, actually, it's quite serious. They've uh, they've asked me to go to 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 Florida on on Saturday, and I, I came out to Florida. We spoke about the opportunity. It was again in marketing, uh, supporting all of the existing products uh, for hematology from the Coulter uh, Corporation. And I felt that uh, the opportunity of moving to a corporate head office, from a career perspective, perspective would open many avenues for me far more than being a territory manager based in in uh, in in the Greek islands. So I, I just felt this was a much stronger career move, uh, and also. Coming to Florida for someone from the United Kingdom. We'd, we'd visited <laughs> the we'd land of vi- eternal
0: sunshine.
1: Yeah, it's an eternal sunshine. We'd visited Disney World as a family. So uh, we sort of knew what we were walking into, and also we- language was going to be much easier. We still, are, you know, there's the old saying of. Two countries separated by a common <laughs> language, but from a language perspective, and we felt for our children, uh, the integration uh, and putting them in schools and everything else would be uh, would be a much easier transition. And and it, it was a it was a, not a, an easy decision to to move to America. Um, uh, you, you know, from a close family unit, one of the things we I'd always been brought up with was. Uh, from uh philosophy of my father was that family comes first um and you know the cro- close uh unit of a family is very important but um my my both my parents were incredibly supportive and thought it was a great opportunity uh and felt uh that you know the decision we'd made uh to move to the US was the right decision and um We, we, I was the most likely one of the toughest days of my life was when I walked into Heathrow airport with a one-way ticket, uh, for my wife and two children and, and sort of, you know, you sort of check in and there, and there's no return flight in front of you. And it was like, this is real. We're, we're doing this. We're going. But it sounds uh, like now
0: looking back, you've, you've been in the States since then, from what I gather.
1: Yeah. We moved over in 1996. Uh, the move was incredibly easy. Um. Oh, for the whole family, and um, and never looked back uh, in that sense. And, and we've loved-
0: Now, was Sysmix was, was your first uh, CEO position, or were you in a CEO role prior to- uh... No,
1: within the call to, the call to corporation, I rose to the position. They, call to corporation, I was here for, they were privately owned, and I was here with them uh, for two years. And then they were acquired by uh, a company called uh, Beckman, which were uh, another diagnostics company uh, based on the West Coast that made uh, clinical chemistry analyzers. And a gentleman called Arnold O. Beckman, he's very famous because he invented the pH meter. Uh, He actually invented it for his friend who wanted to test the acidity of uh, lemons and oranges uh, for the citrus industry. But he created this whole um, business, family-owned independent business um, in in on the west coast, and they acquired the Coulter Corporation, where the two Coulter brothers became elderly and ill, and one of them passed away. But uh, to form a company called Beckman Coulter, which uh, now is now owned by Danaher Corporation. But um, I I I got to the level of uh, vice president of strategic marketing for their cellular analysis division. So my job was running a team of. Of people um, primarily marketing people, uh, product management, but building all of the uh, five and ten year plans for the cell analysis business globally and so looking at where we needed to be as a company, where we felt the uh, the lab testing business was moving and where we need, how we needed to meet those needs five and ten years out. And uh it was a great, great time. It afforded me many opportunities. And one of the things I've been very lucky at with with both companies was the ability to travel uh, all over the world and, and see and travel to many countries I never dreamed I'd ever visit. Um so that. And then been... did you
0: rise did you rise to the executive suite in that organization? Yes, or so what? I
1: was in, in in uh in the cell analysis division was in the executive suite there. And Sysmex uh, was the was at that time uh, the major competitor of, of Beckman Coulter uh, in the in the particularly in the hematology field. And uh, the the uh, current then CEO of of Sysmex America, who had also uh, moved over from the United Kingdom. Uh, had contacted me on a number of occasions and said you should come and join Sysmex. and I kept saying <laughs> no, I'm very happy where I am. And then one one day he phoned me up, uh, a gentleman called John Kershaw, and said, "I don't want you to say anything. Will you come and meet me for dinner?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." We'd we'd been you know, England's a small small country the size of Florida, so we'd known each other, and in the industry you would stop and have a coffee with them and. Run into each other, and... Right, yeah, and talk about trends and things that were happening. And he um, he said to me, "Will you?" He said, "You've you've declined coming to Sysmex before. I have an opportunity that I really want you to come and do for us. Um, and I'd like you to think about it. And it's all about timing. And i felt it was perhaps time. I felt that I had uh, reached a point within the Beckman Quarter organization where." I, I wasn't going to move any further, um, and I also felt that uh, they'd changed some of their focus for in the area of the business that I was working in, and I felt that Sysmex were investing and driving into the area of the business that I was very passionate about, and so I, I decided at that time it was the right time, uh, that offer... Uh, at that time, it was time to make a move. I—I'll be very honest with you. I'd always thought um, I would retire with Beckman.
0: Stay Coulter. with them. Yeah. yeah. Well, what did he? Uh, what did he offer you? Did he offer you to, to come and take his job over, or what? Uh, it was.
1: Uh, it was. It was. It was to take over um, all of the marketing and business development for the Americas, so Canada, uh, U.S., and all of Latin America and Brazil and the Caribbean islands. Um, and a slight change from uh, to a more what I would class as a tactical marketing role, which I felt was a new challenge for myself. But he also painted a vision uh, of where Sysmex was was heading, uh, where they wanted me to to play a role in that vision. And, and it was very appealing to me. And I, I felt it was the right time uh, to make that move.
0: And it sounds like you eventually succeeded him.
1: Yeah, and and so uh, I joined uh, the uh, Sysmex organization. We, did, by that time, Sysmex had grown to be the number one in in uh, a number of fields of diagnostic testing, and um, I worked through the through the organization and and took on the role of um, executive vice president for Latin America and took over responsibility for all of the business in our. LATAM operations, uh, which was a great challenge again to move into uh, looking after the Latin American business, working with direct and distributor businesses, a great growth opportunity. And then um, John was making a move to a a role within the corporate head offices uh, over in Kobe, Japan. So uh, the the corporation asked me whether I would... uh, be uh, interested in being considered for the CEO position. And uh, and it was obviously, you know, the goal I'd set out to be and, and where my focus was. So uh, it was, it was again, you know, I think, you know, like everything in life, sometimes timing works and you're in, you you know, you have, you, yes, you get there through hard work and, and having the right skill sets, but also sometimes timing helps you. A little bit of luck and timing helps. And you've been CEO for how many years now, Ralph? I've been uh, CEO at Sysmex America Inc. for two years now.
0: Two years. And you were there uh, previously for how many years before you moved into that role?
1: Yeah, I've been with the Sysmex Corporation now for 11 years. So 11 was, years, yeah. Yeah, so I was in other the other positions for, for nine years, the marketing, and then through um, looking after all the LATAM
0: operations. So looking at your time at Sysmex specifically, you know, good, good, good long decade there, a little bit plus. Um, how would you say your leadership styles evolved from the time that you came in? You know, from a competitor, obviously, at the request of the CEO um, and moved into it, sounds like at least two or three pretty interesting jobs to the to the corner office. would Would you say there's been some evolution of your leadership during that period?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know I think um you know my first my first role was more driving and leadership was driving from a um, action based uh, responsibilities. So obviously moving to a CEO role where being much more looking at the longer term vision, so I was looking at short term actions, short term goals and growth and uh, moving into a CEO role where I was now looking at much uh, longer long ter- uh, term growth uh, long term vision and position for the for Cismex Americas uh, going forward and how we grow and, and looking and seeing how to grow and evolve.
0: Uh, our operations across all of the Americas. What about uh, building a company culture? What are your thoughts about that? Is there a fairly well-established culture that you inherited that you um, are continuing to kind of propagate? Or, you know, do you feel that it's the CE's role to kind of, you know, make some minor changes and, and set new directions?
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I feel so, firstly, culture is extremely important to an organization. Sysmex uh, as, a, as a company has a A corporate culture called the Sismex Way, and that's the core values that Sismex has as a company that's global, Uh, and it's it becomes the key uh, central point for this for the all of the organisation. And it's we feel, uh, and I feel in particular, it's what makes Sismex unique as a company. We're we're very fortunate. We have. Uh, staff that join our uh, join Sismex, and they're long time staff. Our turnover is very very low, and part of that is the values the company has in terms of its value and commitment to to healthcare and shaping and advancing healthcare, but also the core values is it has to its employees, uh, and in terms of. How we grow and develop our employees and support them uh, in the organisation, and and it's something that uh, as an organisation we we discuss, uh, we encourage management uh, to to discuss it on a regular basis uh, of uh, through staff meetings. Uh, we do it through group town hall meetings. And, and discuss what uh, what the Sysmex way means to people, and, and like any culture, people have their slight and uh, very different tweaks on on what that means to them personally. But we have this core uh, culture, and I, I would sum it up: it's a very uh, caring culture as an organisation, um, not in two levels to our customers. But also to our employees and going the extra mile. And if uh, if you see an employee that's that's struggling, reach down and help them and bring them up. It's um, the values uh, that are instilled in our employees is uh, that you should be. If you if you want to um, grow and and develop in the organisation, that's one of the one of the core values we look for is how people go that extra mile uh, and support the, the not only customers, but also
0: everybody within the organization. Well, I like that high investment in people. Again, you know the business I'm in with recruiting, and uh, I'll tell you the value that we add isn't so much finding the people that have the resume depth. It's it's those folks that really do fit the culture. It's it's just so important. Um, you know, any recruiter can probably find a hundred, if not a thousand, resumes that may match a certain job spec, but really understanding what goes on on the inside. And, and to that point, um, you know, if you only had a few minutes to interview someone, what what, what kind of questions do you ask them? If uh, let's say it's not so much a direct report, but maybe somebody deeper in your organization.
1: When i when we look at, when I'm looking for someone, one of the key obviously to get to the interviews level, I make the, you know I'm making an assumption that they've got the core skills and and requisites to fill the position so I'm looking for how the the person fits within the organization and they are right a right fit for sysmex uh, as a company and so i I always ask. Every, every person I've ever interviewed, uh, and it stemmed from a question someone asked me, so I won't take credit for it, <laughs> but I always ask them that if there's, after I've interviewed them, if there's only one thing I remember from the whole interview, what would that one thing be? What was the one thing that you would want me to remember, you about, remember about that person? And it, it's 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 very telling how because um, in, in a way it's I am allowing someone to give them sort of like a four minute elevator yeah the four minute elevator speech on on uh, what that how they perceive themselves as a person because uh, I always state and I don't don't tell me you're the right person for the job um, you know what's that one thing you want me to remember
0: about like Brandt as an individual. What are some of the best answers you've received on that? That's a great question.
1: You, I, I've had I had a, a number of very good ones. One of the ones uh, I liked personally the most is uh, that someone came back to me and talked about how, and they picked up where, and I, uh, you know, I gave them credit because they picked up what I was looking for. They talked about how they would fit into the organization and how they felt that they were the right fit for SisMex. On a personal level, so very quickly they picked up what I was looking for and responded back and sort of sold themselves in terms of not only do I have the skill sets, I've got all of the right um, attributes and have the same core values as your company and And that was is one of the key areas. you People come back with you know uh, things like you know I have integrity, um, you know hard work. It, those are the sort of things you expect. Those are the givens. The yeah, givens. Yeah. It, it's where someone really picks up and taps into the core values and how they align with the core values of a of, of a company. It also shows to me that they've done, done research on the company and its core values and, and, and sort of managed to find out about the Sysmex way and
0: what it stands for and what it means to, to us as a company. Well, Ralph Taylor, you've been very generous with your time. We, we do have one last question for you that we ask all our CEOs. And, you know, we've got a lot of folks that are listening to this uh, that, uh, you know, are planning the, their own plot as it relates to their career. And many of them may be a decade or two behind you. You know, what career and life advice would you give to someone who, who's got their own eyes on the corner office?
1: My, my first advice it, uh, would be never be afraid to make it. It's a cliche, but never be afraid to make a mistake. Secondly, never believe that you know it all. And thirdly, um, and I've been very fortunate in my career, I've managed to work with some very, very talented people that have helped me grow and develop as an individual uh, and also helped me in my role be very successful uh, in the role I've taken. And I think that goes to also, as you're working through your management teams uh, today at Sysmex, I am very fortunate to have a tremendous management team that work with me. Uh, And I use that word very carefully. I never say for me. um, And that's another important important part of it. I don't see myself as a CEO as being... um, any different to anybody else in the organization. It goes all the way back to the statement I made very early on. I wouldn't ask someone to do something I wouldn't be prepared to do myself. But, you know, working very closely with uh, with people, uh, understanding them, and also uh, try to take a lesson and make every – I always ask myself the question, and again, you know, people say that you know it's a cliche, but I do find it valuable – every day on the drive home i ask myself what could i have done better
0: today like that
1: uh, you know it's a bit of a cliche but it's 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 a good point i try and try and take sometimes
0: a, the simplest questions or these are the best
1: yeah just a sort of quick le- le- you know quick lesson
0: of what could i have done better what did i learn today ralph taylor thank you so much in sharing your journey into the corner office thank you